welcome back to part two of our spring sports state championship roundup. We just came to you with swimming, golf, and soccer, and now we will take a look at our spring champions in baseball, softball, and track and field. Again, this is Brent Maycock with Mac Moore, Scott Paskin, Ricky Peterson coming to you with our Capital Federal Acacia Covered podcast, and we'll start with baseball and uh, some our champions this year are just uh, some great uh, some great tournaments across the state. And uh, look at our state champions this year. We had Class 6A, it was Blue Valley West. Class 5A, it was, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> All right, cut that out. Class 5A, it was Bishop Carroll. Class 4A, you had McPherson defending its state title. Class 3A, Wichita Collegiate also defends its state title. And in Class 2-1A, Pittsburgh St. Mary's Colgan adds to its championship legacy with its state title. We'll start at Class 6A. And, Mac, you were up in Class 6A in Lawrence. Uh, tell us a little bit about Blue Valley West. Yeah, uh, a team that, you know, anytime you're talking about a, a, a potential repeat champion, uh, you know, you think in front runner, but, I mean, technically uh, – they were not the front runner, number two seed uh, in the, the the state bracket, uh, and uh, also end up being a team that uh, needed to to win some close ones to to, to get on through. Uh, their their final, they end up beating Blue Valley North three uh, two. Before that, except for their seven one win over Latha North in the state corner finals, the Jaguars uh, won all their other postseason games by two runs or less. Uh, including three of the last four being just uh, one-run victories. So uh, they, they were in some close ones. And then uh, their finals opponent, the, the Mustangs, uh, you know, they were uh, consistently playing David to a bunch of Goliaths. Uh, they took down higher seeds every round uh, of the, the state tournament or the postseason to, to, to reach the state finals. Uh, they beat a uh, the, the East Brackets uh, East Regional Brackets number two seed Olitha South uh, in the regional final 2-0 uh, in the uh, state quarterfinals. Uh, they go up against top seeded Manhattan, uh, a one loss team going in, and uh, they end up getting a 10-4 uh, win to really shake things up uh, uh, to start things off. And uh, going up against a higher seeded Derby team in the the, the semis. Uh, another one that uh, they end up getting that uh, 5-2 victory over him. So uh, it set up this EKL showdown that uh, was really close uh, throughout the, 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 the contest. Uh, you know, basically Blue Valley West came in with the, the game plan of keeping uh, Ari Shafton on the, the mound. He's normally a closer. He had closed out the semifinal uh, earlier in the day to, to, to hold off uh, uh, Lawrence Free State. And uh, they decided to go with him as the starter in that final. And uh, he does well for four innings, uh, keeping uh, Blue Valley North, uh, you know, with a slow start uh, at the plate. But uh, eventually, uh, just like they had in all those other games, uh, Blue Valley North uh, put up a, a good fight, is able to uh, get back into it and, and, really close to to tying it up in the 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 seventh uh it was a, just a, a a double play uh that people sent me a photo of and have a few questions about whether uh the right call was made but ends up being uh, enough to 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 shut blue valley north down they they started going through or Blue Valley West started going through uh, the bullpen to even make it happen. Once Shafton uh, went to the side, they they were bringing in uh, three different guys to just make shift, uh, get enough to get those final outs, and they they end up uh, getting it done with that that three two victory and uh, just a, a lot of great work. And you know, I didn't even mention Austin Young uh, ended up pitching the uh, the state quarterfinal uh game to get that 7-1 uh win over Olathe North so uh really talented Blue Valley West team and they they, they get to finish things out and uh probably the best moment was just seeing uh Ari Shafton when he got to leave uh the Blue Valley North coach was nice enough to uh you know uh, 
call time to, to allow uh, Shafton to get uh, this just extra standing ovation uh, from the ca- crowd, them chanting his name as, uh, as he leaves the field for the, the final time. And, uh, you know, he's a, definitely a, a crowd favorite, one that uh, gets people psyched up. And, you know, he, a, lot of, a lot of hand gestures, a lot of fun, and uh, able to, to, to get the job done. And Blue Valley West gets that uh, two straight state titles. And congratulations to Blue Valley West going back-to-back there in 6A. And in, in 5A, uh, Scott had to dip over from state track and, and uh, run over and catch the 5A championship game as both the 5A baseball and softball were basically play, being played simultaneously with their championship games. And Scott got over to, to catch the end of Bishop Carroll uh, getting a, a state championship there. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes state tournament week is it's it's you don't really want to know how the sausage is made if you're a reader or a sports fan. But uh, uh, I snuck over, like you said, from the state track meet and and uh, I give a give a shout out to our our correspondents who helped us out. Harold Bouchard, Todd Furtick and, and Billy Watson was at the 5A softball on Wichita State's campus. And he let me know that the baseball game was humming along pretty fast. So I I ducked over to X Stadium and and uh, uh I will just say I walked into a high leverage situation. It was a uh, it was a one run ball game into the sixth inning uh, at that point between Bishop Carroll and, and DeSoto, the top two seeds uh, in the Class Five A final. And and uh, so for what little time I was there, it was it was some pretty intense baseball and really really good atmosphere. Carroll uh, DeSoto actually brought a lot of fans and and. Uh, it was I was told was really influential in their in their run rule or in their big victory over St. Thomas Aquinas in the semifinals and they were loud and proud and uh, in the championship game and Bishop Carroll had a great crowd in its hometown of Wichita just a just a really fun atmosphere for that 5A final and and uh, Bishop Carroll uh, you know one of those teams we talk sometimes about those those teams that are just at the state tournament every year and and 5A you know uh, Topeka Seaman is definitely one of them Bishop Carroll is another and and they make a lot of trips to state and. And uh, uh, ended actually ended an eleven year ter- or title drought with their with their seven to six victory uh, over DeSoto in the final and a really outstanding team for Bishop Carroll this year after finishing second to to Blue Valley Southwest a year ago uh, they came back and and really uh, not 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 a not an uber veteran team they only had four seniors but but a really good solid lineup a lot of contributions from young players uh, freshman Cal Purvis was one who was really a uh, an outstanding, uh, made a big impact in the state tournament, but but Bishop Carroll uh, gets the title. Not an easy road by any stretch, and the, and uh, they did have a, a pretty smooth ride in the quarterfinals. Got a great start uh, uh, on the mound from from uh, junior Shane Holman. He shuts out Great Ben in the quarterfinals, six to nothing, and gets them into the championship round or in the semifinals where they rallied from a pair of one run deficits uh, to defeat Eisenhower four to three in the semifinals and. And uh, got a good pitching uh, effort from uh, sophomore Braxton Martin in that game. And then uh, in, in the finale, uh, they go with senior Peyton Newell uh, on the bump. And, and DeSoto jumps on him for three runs, just five batters into the game. So uh, Bishop Carroll was behind the eight ball right out of the gate, but uh, uh, came back with a pair of big innings to, to um, eventually get the lead. And, and uh, uh, DeSoto put up a, a great fight, but uh, – uh, Carroll gets the gets the final three outs. A reliever Van Hanneberg comes in, and and uh, uh, like I said, high leverage situation. He the junior comes in and and uh, gets the final three outs, and and uh, a wild celebration. Coach Charlie Ebright for Bishop Carroll gets his third state title. This team finishes twenty four and one, and he's had a lot of great teams, but he's never had one that had, has uh, come this close to perfection. So an outstanding season for Bishop Carroll, and, and like I said, they only have. Uh, four seniors that they'll graduate this year. So look for look for Bishop Carroll to be strong again in 5A next year. Yeah, and the fine line that baseball is, I mean, Carroll was down to its final at bat, needing, uh, needing to come up with two runs in its final at bat in the regional finals just to get to state, and here they go, and they win a state championship. So congratulations to Bishop Carroll in Class 4A. Uh, you know, going into the tournament, I think everybody kind of looked at McPherson as probably the favorite to win it because they were the defending champs a year ago. Uh, they were just third seeded, but I think, you know, the thought was, okay, McPherson, uh, the title's going to go through them. And then when both the number one and number two seeds lose in the quarterfinals, uh, Clay Center 21-1, and one, they lose to Chanute 1-0. And then Rock Creek 21-1, and one, they lose in the eight innings to Payola. 
the door really opened for McPherson, and they just they just charged right through it. They win their first game eight to three over Larned Lacrosse. They beat Paola nine to two in the semifinals, and then they shut out the underdog of the tournament, Chanute. Shut them out six nothing in the championship game to go back to back. Chanute, a great story. You know they they were a low seed going into uh, going into regional play, pull some upstate upsets in regionals. Then they knock out the number one seed in Clay Center one nothing. Then they win their semifinal game event against Fort Scott one to nothing. So a pair of one nothing nail biters for Chanute to get to the title game, but McPherson just just too much for them in the end. Uh, you know, Heath Gerstner does a great job down there, has that program just just humming and uh, and get the 6-0 six, six win to uh, finish the 21-4 and four season right now. Uh, Jarrett Myers pitches the championship game, gives up two hits, strikes out nine, and uh, and just does a just does a great job in the on the mound for the for the bullpups in that game. Uh, they uh, they they really just played some great baseball, and like I said, uh, um, Coach Coach Gerstner has some things going there with McPherson in that baseball uh, baseball town. So uh, Fort Scott wins the third place game, ten nothing in eight innings over pay, ten nine in eight innings over Paola. So Fort Scott finishes third, Paola takes fourth, and then in Class Three A, we had some. Uh, that's a pretty good dramatics there, not just in the. Uh, not just in the championship game, but uh, leading up to the championship game, you had in the opening round, uh, Santa Fe Trail and Goodland go ten, ten innings with uh, Santa Fe Trail winning three to two in that game, and uh, right before them, Columbus wins nine to eight against Bishop Ward. They they were up nine to four going into the last inning, and Ward comes back and gets four and has runners at first and third with two outs, and uh, Columbus gets out of that one to go to the semifinals. In the semifinals, Columbus beats Santa Fe Trail ten to nothing, uh, while Collegiate holds on against Humboldt. They were up eight to nothing in the game, and then give up an eight-run inning to Humboldt, which was the top seed at twenty-two and one coming into the tournament. So Humboldt comes back and tie it. Collegiate gets a walk-off uh, victory, gets a gets a nine-eight victory there to get to the championship game. And in the championship game, it's a rematch of last year's title game where where Collegiate really handled Columbus pretty good in the title game last year. This year, that wasn't the case. Columbus was the one that, that comes out and, and uh, strikes the first blow and, and uh, gets out early and and is, is in position to win. The uh, Collegiate uh, is down four to two going into the, going into the seventh inning and uh, they get the bases loaded and up comes senior Brady Hunt, uh, you know, in that moment, you know, you, you think about what can happen. Can I just get the bat on the ball? And and at that point, he's 0-3 in that game and, and hadn't had a good game. Uh, but he gets in there, crushes a pitch over the left field wall for a grand slam to put the Wichita Collegiate ahead, and they hold on and win 6-4 to four to win their uh, second straight Class 3A state title under Joe Gear. Uh, Collegiate finishes the year 22 and four. Columbus finishes the year 22 and three. So Wichita Collegiate wins the Class 3A state title. Santa Fe Trail takes third uh, with a 9-1 win over Humboldt. And Trail has one of their best records they've had in, in many years. They finished the year 21 and three as well. So a uh, great year by Santa Fe Trail. Columbus takes second for the second straight year. And Wichita Collegiate wins its second straight state championship. Uh, great senior class for Collegiate with guys like Hunt, Brett Black, Hayden Malays, uh, those kind of guys, uh, guys that were really just factors for them uh, for the past couple years, big keys to their title win a year ago, and they get it done again this year in Class 3. And in Class 2A, uh, Ricky, you know, Pittsburgh St. Mary's, Colgan is one of those teams that it doesn't matter where they're seated uh, in the tournament, you know they're going to be a, a tough out, and they, uh, they go out and prove that. Yeah, they were they were definitely not an eight seed. That that's that's for sure. They play in a tough league. Um, you know, I think they they ended up finishing the season at fifteen and eleven. But they that program. I, I'm not sure that we talk about that program enough. And maybe it's because it's been since 2016 since they've won a state championship. But that baseball program has more state championships than any other baseball program. Uh, they pick up their twenty first. Um, with a 13-3 run rule win over Marion in the in the two one eight title game, uh, you know I was just I was, I'm just impressed with that whole operation. Uh, 
you know, Colgan came out really fired up. Um, they were able to jump on Marion Marion early and, and build a, a nice 6-1 lead after two innings. Um, just the balance in their lineup. Um, they had so many good plate appearances, particularly uh, late in the game. Uh, you know, when they, they kind of smelled blood, and they, uh, you know, really drew some – Good walks and just kind of kept the pressure on, and were able to were able to pull away from uh, from Marion. But uh, you know, Coach Mike Watt, uh, I think he he's in the conversation of one of the best coaches in Kansas. Uh, this will be his seventeenth. Uh, this was his seventeenth state championship. Uh, you know that that like I said, that program is just is just is just really impressive. Um, you know they. For Marion, um, you know, a big win from them for them in the semifinals against Elkhart. Uh, they lost a heartbreaker um, to Elkhart a few years ago in 2019 in the state championship game, and I know, you know, that was that was a lot that was on Coach uh, Roger Stroder's mind because he he's mentioned it a couple times. But to get that win over Elkhart um, in the in the semifinals, that was a big win for the program, and they just kind of. I think they just kind of ran out of gas a, l- a little bit, uh, you know, struggled a little bit early. And then, uh, you know, Colgan just did what Colgan does and was able to to stretch the lead. But, uh, you know, Colgan, uh, I think they just had one error the whole the whole tournament. Um, their pitching was really good. Uh, Kyson Bennett was really good in the semifinals, uh, had a two-hit complete game. And then uh, in the final uh their starter John Patusic struggled a little bit early, and you know Coach Watt said that he was maybe one or two batters away from pulling him. And then third inning, man, he just really turned it on. Uh, really, really gutsy performance for him to to finish, you know, all six innings of that game. Um, you know, after struggling a little bit, and then uh, you know he took uh, top of the sixth. Uh, he was at the plate and he got hit by a pitch right in the, right in the face and caught some of the helmet, but it caught a little bit of his cheek too. So, uh, you know, that stunned him a little bit. And then all he does is shake it off and go out and finish the game. So, uh, you know, obviously great performance from him. And then, you know, Elkhart, they, they ended up wake, taking third uh, with a close win over Omega. Um, heck of a season for them. I know they they had state title aspirations, and it hurt a little bit that they weren't able to get it done. But they also finished the season the right way. Uh, were able to get get that third place, and um, you know, Cage Ralston. Uh, we've we've talked about him before, but a, a heck of a heck of a regional or a tournament opener in the first round. He threw he threw a no hitter um, to cap you know his. To cap hit a tremendous pitching career for him, and uh, their shortstop Caesar Gomez is a, is a heck of a player too. So, uh, you know, a, a really good season for Elkhart to, to finish third. But yeah, like I said, Colgan Colgan's just so so impressive, and I you know I I think they really deserve to be. When we talk about some of the greatest programs in in, uh, in Kansas history, I think you got you got to mention Colgan because what they what they've done under Coach Watt is pretty impressive. Absolutely, absolutely is. So your state baseball championships here, 6A, Blue Valley West, 5A, Bishop Carroll, 4A, McPherson, 3A, Wichita Collegiate, and 2A, Pittsburgh St. Mary's, Colgan. And then moving over to softball, uh, MAC, uh, it was uh, Olathe Northwest was an undefeated team going into the Class 6A tournament, but it was our crosstown rivals that come away with the state championship. Yeah, and uh, before I can talk about the final, you got to talk about the the, the semifinal that uh, Olathe uh, Northwest was in. And and Scott said earlier about, uh, you know, uh, behind the scenes, seeing how the sausage was made. I'm going to give people a little behind the scenes of what was happening with me trying to cover those. I was – the the way 6A baseball and softball was this year, we had uh, softball out at uh, Arocha Ballpark over at Rock Chalk Park on – the, the west end of Lawrence and uh, 6A baseball was at Hoglin right in the center of Lawrence, about a 15 minute drive, depending on how many lights you hit. And that will come into the story at the very end uh, lights. If you hit the bad ones, you're going to miss, I don't know, an entire end of a softball final. Uh, but uh, when I was out at baseball in the center of town uh, for 
the the state semis and getting some some more photos of uh, the Blue Valley North uh, uh, semi game. Uh, I, I was trying to make up for the fact that I had missed, didn't get quite as many of them uh, the day before. So I stayed a little bit longer, and I'm like, I'll still make it out uh, to this uh, state softball uh, semifinal game between Olathe Northwest and Washburn Rural. But I was looking at the score, and I'm like, ooh, this is going to be a fun one. It, it tied up one all, uh, heading late. So I was like, all right, let's get out there. Let's see. I hit, got stuck at all the lights, but I made it. Got there in time for the seventh inning. I'm like, if I can get some shots real quick, you got to be smart with the photos, get some of the picture and move from uh, uh, first baseline to third baseline. I'll get enough photos by the, I ended up being at that one longer than I was at any other of the games I went to. And I went to it like a dozen games uh, between six, eight baseball and six, eight softball, because instead of it being over in the seventh inning or the eighth inning or the ninth inning, or the, I was out there getting a bunch of great shots through the 12th inning before Washburn rural uh, is able to, to put away this marathon, uh, uh, just a, ultimate pitching duel between Washburn Rural's uh, Emerson Cope and Olathe Northwest Bree Severino. And I just, you know, there were a chance for Olathe Northwest to win in the seventh. They had bases loaded, uh, a, a killer play uh, from, from the outfield uh, uh, to, to get the stop at the plate, to, to keep that one going. Uh, there's just all these little moments in those innings to, to maybe have a chance, but it ends up being Washburn Rural that gets uh, two across uh, in the 12th and Olathe Northwest isn't able to match. Uh, Emerson Cope finished with 193 pitches. I think Bree Severino was somewhere in like the one – 3140 area uh so just crazy and of course because semifinals is earlier in the day when you get to that final uh they were planning to go with cope they didn't uh second guess that they knew right after the game uh, that they wanted to keep her in and they hoped she'd have enough but uh once olathe west uh knocked off uh derby in their semifinal and uh go into that one the only team that had beat olathe west uh earlier in the year was that olathe northwest team that Rural knocked off and Cope uh it seemed like maybe through the first inning okay does uh does she have enough on that arm but uh once Madison Walker uh hit a homer uh on her in the second uh it just uh, started uh just this 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 run of scores uh they ended up getting a, a 10-0 run rule victory and finish it uh after five innings which is why i'm in traffic trying to make it back from 5a baseball final and i hit all the lights again and i get there luckily they were still on the field i i got to interview them but uh end up missing that because aletha west got the job done way too fast uh they 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 uh, a talented team that even if cope came in uh with a little little bit more on and didn't have to go through that marathon it was still going to be a very tough test because the late the west up and down uh the batting order they got uh you know players that can get the ball out there at least get on base and then obviously uh madison walker finished with two homers because she can go the distance uh i think one of them i don't remember if it was the first or the second i guess uh hit the scoreboard uh out there at orocho ballpark so uh, she can get some heat on on, on, on those swings and uh, they, they get the job done and they end up first appearance in state. Uh, they end up taking home a state title just the fifth year that Olathe West uh, has had a, a program. So uh, uh, definitely one to, to, to look at going forward as they're, they're building this up uh, strong performance, a uh, great way to win. And then you all, you just also have to feel a little bit bad for Emerson Cope, uh, taking Washburn world to two runner up finishes. And this one, I mean, she gave them all that she had and, uh, you know, just it, that marathon game just really made it very difficult for her to, to have a great performance in that state final. Yeah, great, uh, great uh, program, Olathe uh, West. Hasn't been around very long, but uh, great championship season for them. And in Class 5A, we had a repeat champion with Valley Center. Um, you know, 5A was the, the tournament of upsets. And, Scott, uh, you know, we knew Valley Center would be a, uh, be a one of the favorites going in. And then after the, the quarterfinals, they became a heavy favorite. Yeah, the door the door flew open for for the defending champions and and Valley Center was uh, they were totally equipped to walk right through it this year. Uh, uh, Thursday's quarterfinals, uh, Shawnee Heights 
started the tournament off with an upset of 21 and one Bishop Carroll knocked off the top seed and and uh, you know Bishop Carroll another great team they just always have a great have great teams uh, in softball but this this group was a little young and I think you know I think maybe their best days uh, are ahead of them uh, but they get they get knocked off four to two by Shawnee Heights in the, in the quarterfinals and then the two seed Baser Linwood who was in the final last year that uh, they lose to Salina South two to one in the, in the quarterfinals as well. So, uh, before Valley Center takes the field, the one and two seeds are knocked off, and and uh, then four seed Eisenhower gets through with a, a win over Spring Hill in the quarterfinals. But but uh, uh, you know I'm not. I would just say I don't know that it would have mattered. This this Valley Center team is one that's going to be talked about around the uh, you know around Valley Center High School for quite a while. It was it was it was a great team last year, and, and this year just senior laden. Uh, they had seven players sign. Uh, college scholarships to play softball in November and then added an eighth here, um, you know, prior to the start of the season. So, so eight and a ninth one who coach Corey Jones told me could have signed as well. Uh, you've got that kind of talent on, on a softball team. You're going to, there, there are no real upsets for you. And, and the Hornets uh, cruise right through the tournament, actually, you know, they win, win their quarterfinal 11 to one over Pittsburgh and then come back with a six, nothing victory over Salina South. And then in the final, they end up beating Eisenhower, who they defeated last year in the state semifinals. And and Eisenhower handed Valley Center one of its two losses this season. Uh, May South handed Valley Center the other one. Uh, Valley Center avenged that that defeat in the regional, and and they get uh, they get some a tone for a doubleheader split with Eisenhower during the regular season. They win sixteen to eight. Uh, Sakura Smith, who was a great pitcher for them, she ended up not pitching during the tournament because she broke her thumb uh, late in the regular season. So it was uh, relegated to just batting, and she gets a grand slam that that pretty much puts puts it on ice for Valley Center. And then <clears throat> the thing about these five A softball tournaments at Wilkins Stadium at WSU, uh, it must it must be in the contract to have just a crazy ending because last year uh, Valley Center defeats uh, Baser Linwood four to one on a three run homer in the eighth inning by Macy George. Uh, this year Valley Center seals it with a triple play. Uh, they're all, they're already up eight, so it's you know the, the title's pretty much in hand. But uh, uh, Lucy Hooper, their outstanding shortstop, catches a line line drive and then turns it into a triple play. So so a season-ending, championship-ending triple play for for the Hornets, and and uh, they cap their second straight uh, twenty-three and two season. Uh, Hooper, the daughter of uh, former Wichita State baseball player Kevin Hooper, has signed with Minnesota. She's going to go there. Macy George, uh, their third baseman. Had a, had a school record 52 RBIs this year, and she's going to North Texas. Uh, Socorro Smith, the, the the pitcher who was was relegated to hitting, and signed with Northern Iowa. So there's your three Division One signings uh, signees for for the Hornets, and and uh, Coach Corey Jones had an outstanding group. And I think I you know I kind of had the hunch that they were the class of the Wichita area this season, even with the the good teams like Bishop Carroll. Uh, even you know Eisenhower is always solid. Uh, you had Derby in 6A. But uh, this group of Valley, there was something really special about this Valley Center team. And, and uh, uh, when, when the top two seeds, like, like you said, fell by the wayside in the first round, you know, they, they ignite, the Hornets ignite for 33 runs in the tournament and, and really have a, a dominant run to, the, to their second straight title. Yeah, Valley Center just on a, just on a tremendous roll right now for sure. And then uh, we go to Class 4A. And, and speaking of a team on a roll, uh, you know, Wamigo, they win the state title two years ago. Last year, they get knocked off in the sub-state or in the in the state semifinals by Miege by a one-run game. This year, they come in the state, one loss to uh, one loss to Rossville, and uh, and they come in and and they ride Peyton Hardenberger. And boy, you want to talk about somebody that just answered the bell? Hardenberger, just just absolutely tremendous. Uh, at the state this year, you know, Wamigo goes in and they beat Rock Creek four to nothing in the quarterfinals, and then Hardenberger does her thing in the uh, semifinals and the finals. She throws a no hitter in the semifinals as they beat defending champion Eudora one to nothing, and in the finals she throws another no hitter. Now it was a little bit controversial. There was a fly ball to left field that some say maybe was just more of a mental error than a physical error, but the official scorer. Put it as a as a physical error, gave it gave it an error, a ball the left fielder ran in on, and it ends up going over her head. But uh, no hitter or not, still impressive by Peyton Hardenberger as she delivers another one nothing victory 
in the championship over McPherson. So two no-hitters for Peyton Hardenberger to cap a 20-1 season for Wamigo. Uh, two state championships in three years. In, uh, in 14 innings in the semifinals, Hardenberger strikes out 29 uh, like I said, gives up no hits. And so uh, just, a, a, you know, she was tremendous. Start of the year, I think, first three games of the year, she threw no hitters in all three of those games. She gives up two earned runs all season long, which is just crazy ridiculous. I don't, I don't care how good you are. Two earned runs against the type of type of talent and type of teams that Juan Migo plays on its schedule is just a, just an amazing, amazing feat. So Wamigo uh, gets their second state championship. Hardenberger finishes 11-0 for the season. McPherson finishes runner-up at 21-4. Uh, great year by the Bullpups. They beat Clearwater 5-4 in the semifinals to get to the title game after outlasting Fort Scott 3-2 in 12 innings in the first round in the quarterfinals. So McPherson has a great run to get to the title game. In the third game, place game, Eudora beats Clearwater 9-5, so Eudora takes third after winning it all last year. And then the only team that Wamiga lost to this year was Rossville, and Rossville comes and wins the Class 3A state title. Uh, the Bulldogs go in as the number six seed. Uh, they just take it to Columbus in the quarterfinals, beat Columbus 19-7, and Columbus had taken out last year's state champion Frontenac in the regional finals. And Rossville comes and, and beats beats up on Columbus 19 to seven in the in the quarterfinals. Then they outlast Southeast Saline six to four in the semifinals. That puts them in the championship game against Santa Fe Trail. Santa Fe Trail gets there with a five nothing win over Beloit in the in the quarters, and then a two nothing win over Haven, which Haven looked awfully impressive in the first uh, in the quarterfinals. They come out and just smoke Scott City 17 to two, but uh, and 23 and one going into the semifinals. But Kaylee Washington, Santa Fe Trail's outstanding pitcher, shuts them down and gets a two-run home run to win the game for them. Two-nothing, sends them to the championship game against Rossville. And earlier this season, Rossville swept Santa Fe Trail and beat them up pretty good. And uh, maybe carrying a little bit of sting of last year when Santa Fe Trail beat Rossville in the third place game of the state tournament in an 11-inning marathon game. Santa Fe Trail wins that. Rossville gets payback in the championship game. Uh, Washington has another outstanding game, but Rossville scores two runs off her, and uh, they, they ride Brindley Deitch, their senior, to a 2 nothing victory to take their first state championship since 2000. Rossville finishes the season 20-4. and um, Like I said, second state title in program history. They beat Santa Fe Trail three times this season, um, and they're a really young team. Dyke is a senior, but the rest of the – Rest of the Bulldogs, a, a very, uh, very young team, a lot of underclassmen, that, and they'll be back next year. You know, fourth last year, state champs this year, and they're not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, Haven beats Southeast of Saline 8-3 to take third. So Haven finishes the season 24-2. Southeast Saline finishes the season 22-4. Uh, so great seasons by both of those programs. Santa Fe Trail finishes the season 21-4, three of those losses to Rossville. Uh, Washington just has an outstanding state tournament. I think she struck out 49 and in 22 innings of work. And, uh, you know, she's just a junior. And, and Santa Fe Trail, a really young team as well, so they'll be back. So uh, Haven, also a very young team. Their, their uh, freshman pitcher, Avery Brauner, was a, was a standout. She'll be back to lead a, a young Haven team uh, next year. And Columbus was a pretty young team as well. I think they had a couple seniors. Uh, the Saparito twins, who the coach's daughters, they'll be gone, but they got a lot of a lot of really good players coming back. So 3A softball is going to be uh, very good again next year. And then Class 2A has our only undefeated state baseball or softball team this year in the McLeod Bulldogs. Uh, Ricky, they win Class 2A and, and very impressive season by Ballard Patterson squad. Yeah, I think they might have shut down McLeod a few days because not only – not only was it program history, it was it was school history. Um, no other McLeod team had won Acacia championship, Acacia team championship before, and to do it in that fashion was was pretty incredible. Because uh, you know they, Carissa Bando almost almost threw a perfect game in the in the in the state final against St. Mary's. Uh, St. Mary's had a, a sixth inning bloop bloop single otherwise it would have been a perfect game to end to end the perfect season but uh you know when you talk about McLeod I think you got to start with that pitching duo uh Carissa Bandel and Danny Lee uh you know not not really a one-two punch because it's it's more like one and one a because those two are, are are just 
so impressive. Um, I think Bandle entered the tournament with an 0.33 ERA and had thrown a few more innings than Lee, but her Lee's ERA was 0.15 coming into the tournament. And uh, those two just pitched amazing in the tournament. Uh, Lee uh, had a shutout in the semifinal. And then I mentioned, I mentioned what Bandel did, uh, you know, just, just giving up uh, one hit there in the final. But, uh, you know, a a cool note about Bandel, um, so Friday morning she she competes in the the class two A one hundred hurdles at 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 Cessna in Wichita. Um, her semifinals at eleven a.m. So there's not not much wiggle room there. Uh, and then she makes the trip over to Pratt, gets there about ten forty uh, for the semifinal. Has three hits in the semifinal, and then like I said, just dominates in the circle. But uh, you know, against St. Mary's, you know they have a stud pitcher of their own and uh Lily Singh Dillon and she was really she really pitched well in that final um you know McLeod got to her a little bit there in the in the second inning they got their that's when they got their three runs just had some good good plate appearances and played some good small ball um to, to kind of manufacture the those runs but uh you know a heck of a year for St. Mary's too but um McLeod going 26 and 0 and like I said, to win to win that title in, in that fashion, and uh, you know, like Brent mentioned, Ballard Patterson, obviously a heck of a heck of a job. Um, some people might know that he had to step away for uh, the past couple of years uh, while he was battling cancer, but was able to come back this year, and uh, you know, a heck of a heck of a story for them uh, to 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 end the perfect season in that in that fashion. Uh, and then I'll, I'll just mention quickly, uh, El Saline, uh, they were the third place team. They bounced back from their semifinal loss, uh, to McLeod to beat Onega and, and take third place. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously some, some cool stories there in, in 2-1-A. Yep. You can read all about all the baseball and softball championships on the Keisha Covered website. They're all up sometime next week. We'll start getting photo galleries up from, from those, uh, those tournaments as well. And then the granddaddy of them all is the state outdoor track and field championships. And if, if you've never been to one, it, it's worth it. It's, 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 it's truly a spectacle. The largest track meet in the nation for high school, uh, all classes together, one place. You get to see the best of the best. You get to see everybody compete in one setting uh, from morning until night. And, and when I mean night, well, the first day of the of the track uh, track meet this year, it ended in the dark. I, I, I stuck around for the end of the class four a boys javelin, and you know it's going late when the uh, when the meet officials are shining a flashlight on the foul line just so the throwers know where they need to stop to get their throws out there. And then the crazy thing about it is we saw some of the best throws of the tournament in the, in the darkness. Uh, Riley Marks for Mandel wins his third straight uh, javelin title, throws a two oh six. Two oh six eleven in the in the in the last throw of the meet in the dark, and then his teammate and cousin Jonah Meyer goes over two hundred feet for the first time in his career with his final throw. Can't quite catch Riley, but it was just electric. Everybody, everybody in the crowd there was still cheering, going on strong. Eudora had some great throwers, Lewisburg a great thrower, and the, it was just an electric atmosphere out there. And, and they just had a lot of fun with it, and and the Andale throws crowd, they're they're a different breed. I mean, they get into their throws, and it doesn't matter who's throwing or how far it is. You would have thought it was a record toss every single time one of them one of them made a throw. But, but that makes it fun. I mean, the the shot put ring down at down at Cessna is kind of tucked in a corner. It can get loud and raucous, and then the javelin area was was loud as well. But uh, that kind of kicked off, uh, you know, some of the some of the highlights from state track. Real quick, we'll run down who the team champions were on each, and then Scott and I will talk a little bit about some of the individual performances that really stood out for us. Naming every state champion will be impossible. Uh, there's just so many, and it's the only event where Keisha Cover does not get a chance to interview every single state athlete. We wish we could, but it would probably take about another four of us guys to get that done. So um, your team champions this year in Class 6A for the boys, it was Olathe North. For the girls, Olathe West. So Olathe West sweeps softball and state track this spring. In Class 5A, St. James Academy wins both titles. 
they didn't have an individual state champion in terms of uh, an individual, but they got relays and they had depth and they sweep the, the Class 5A state titles. Andale sweeps the Class 4A state titles. The girls run away with their titles. The boys, uh, thrilling battle with Lewisburg. They win by a half a point over a Lewisburg team that had a really good state meet. And uh, Taylor Eldridge of the Wichita Eagle had a really cool picture of Andale's team celebrating with Bishop Miege after Miege knocked Lewisburg's 1600 relay, the last event, down one spot, and that saved the state title for them. And it was just kind of a cool picture uh, to to show that and and uh, and what Andale, what that winning that title meant to Andale. Class 3A, Wichita Collegiate takes the boys' title. Prairie View on the strength of Bree Allen's three golds wins the girls' state title. Class 2A, Inman, uh, basically rides two guys to a state championship in Class 2A boys, and Garden Plain wins Class 2A girls. And in Class 1A, Axel boys win uh, the boys' championship, and Washington County wins the girls' championship. So a Twin Valley League sweep of the Class 1A state champions. And we'll start with some of the individual champions, and we'll start with the boys because we had history made there uh, from Tonganoxie's Eli Gilmore. Um, you know, the, it, it's called the distance quad. It's the 400, the 800, the 1600, and the 3200. The four longest races an individual can run at a state track meet. And not only do you never see anybody win them all uh, on the boys' side, you never even really see anybody try them. You know, the, the guys will settle in and be either 816 or 16 and 32. And sometimes they may do the 8, the 16, and the 32. But you never really see them attempt all four. And this year, Eli Gilmore kind of late in the season, his coach said, hey, you know, nobody's ever done this. What do you think? And and Eli, he was a state cross-country champion in the fall in Class 4A, so he was really good at 3,200 even though, or distance runs, even though 3,200 really isn't his bag, he says. He, he, he prefers the 800 and 1,600, but he thought, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and add that. And then he had, he had run on their 4x4 relay last year and added the open four this year and, and was pretty good at that, so he gave it a whirl. And he becomes the first boy in state history ever to win those four gold medals in the four, the eight, the 16, and the 32. It had been done twice in the girls' history. Chesney Peterson from Stanton County did it last year. And then back in the day, Jackie Stiles of Claflin of basketball fame, she did it with hers maybe being the most impressive because she did all hers in one day. Now they run the 3200s on Friday and every all the other finals on Saturday. But Eli Gilmore makes history, um, wins all four, wins all four, you know, fairly, fairly convincingly. He, he got pushed a little bit in the 400 and uh, kind of just did what he needed to do in the other races, but just a tremendous history-making performance by Tonganoxie's Eli Gilmore. And then when you talk about history, uh, you know, Bryce Barkdahl from Andover Central has been making history all year long in the pole vault, and he does it once again down at, uh, down at the state outdoor. And, Scott, you were over there catching the end of, of Bryce's uh, – Bryce's accomplishments and, uh, you know, just this, this is a guy that's just been amazing all year and, and rose to the occasion once again at State. Yeah, it was very much deja vu. If you were at the State meet last year watching Ashton Barkdale, Bryce's older brother, uh, set the 5A meet record, and Ashton has since gone on to KU, and he continues to climb up, uh, you know, add height to, to his uh, performance last, you know, from last year when he went 16-7 and a quarter. You kind of had a hunch that Bryce was going to get that record this year. He uh, he has had an outstanding season, currently ranks number two nationally and probably will end the season number two nationally among all high school pole vaulters. Uh, uh, kid in Kentucky who's got the, his state meet coming up this weekend has, has gone just a little bit higher this year, like an inch higher than, than uh, Bryce. But but Bryce came in uh, having cleared 17 feet three t- in three meets, and he makes it a fourth. He goes 17-1, and, and uh, I think – that was a very highly anticipated competition. I mean, not not for the competition itself, but but the fact that uh, he's already he's he's been out there all year and and broke the all time state record uh, earlier this season at the Shawnee Mission North Relays. It was a forty three year old record, so that's a that's an eye catcher right there. Kansas City Wyandotte Steve Stubblefield had had that mark uh, since nineteen eighty, and then Barktel. Uh, you know, he passes until everybody's out and jumps in and then clears clears his winning height, adds two more heights, gets up to 16 feet, then breaks uh, Big Brother's record on his first attempt, takes the bar up to 17-1, which uh, that's, that was his peak clearance. And, and 17-1, he clears that, and that, that makes him the all-time 
uh, in any class. That was the highest uh, pole vault completed at, at the state track meet in the history of the meet. So uh, there's been three that have gone 17 feet. He becomes the th- uh, the third and, and has uh, by a half inch the, the tallest height of, of any of them. Um, his dad, Ryan, a, an All-American pole vaulter at Wichita State, is his coach. And, and so there's just – you know, Bryce is just a junior. And, and so there's, you know, who, how high can he go? I mean, he's, he's talked to me about going, trying to get to 18 feet. Uh, his dad's uh, uh, peak height was, I think, 18.6. So those numbers, I mean, he's got at, at the dinner table, he's got the numbers there to motivate him to, to continue to, to press forward on this. And, and so he wins the 5A pole vault at 17.1. Um, his, his state record now, the all-time state record, 17.6 and a quarter. That's that's hopefully something he can build on, and I would anticipate he will. I mean, he's just uh, uh, he, he's got that mindset. I mean, you kind of those pole vaulters are a little different breed. They're kind of out there, and and Bryce is you know he's a, he's a great kid, great great interview, but but you can just tell he's got that mindset that that makes you got to be just a little crazy, and I think he fits that mold, and and uh, uh, can't wait to see where he can take it. Um, you know, next year during his senior season. You know, going down boys. Uh... Boys champions, there was a lot of great ones. Uh, like we mentioned, the, the javelin competition with Riley Marks in Class 4A was tremendous. The Olathe North, uh, Josh and Jason Parrish, uh, the twin, twin brothers from Olathe North. You know, last year there were three brothers there. Jacob was there as well. Jacob graduated after last year, now is at Kansas State uh, playing football for the Wildcats. But Josh and Jason took it upon themselves to kind of keep the banner going for Olathe North, and, and they certainly did that. Uh, Josh wins three golds. On the weekend, uh, winning the long jump, the triple jump, and the 110 hurdles. And he would have had a fourth gold, except Jason gets him in the 300 hurdles to uh, to deny Josh a four, but to get Jason his one. And and uh, Jason was right on his heels in a couple of the other events and runs on a couple relays. He runs on one of the winning relays for Olathe North. And uh, those two really do the do the legwork in getting Olathe North to a, another boys' state championship. So an impressive uh, impressive showing by the Parrish brothers once again, leaving their legacy and and showing, as he said, the dog that they had inside of them. So uh, the Parrish brothers do some great things. Uh, you know, going down uh, Madison's Bryson Turner in Class One A, he wins three state titles this year. Last year he swept the hundred in the two hundred. Uh, as a sophomore, he won the hundred, so he wins a hundred as a sophomore, bumps it up, wins the hundred and two hundred as a as a junior. This year, wins the hundred, two hundred, and the triple jump, and takes second in the long jump as a senior. And and uh, you know, on on his two hundred, it was it was a little scary with about fifty meters to go, you, a, a hamstring that's kind of bothered him all season. You could tell it start to start to start to act up on him. His face gets this pained look on his face, and but he guts it out, holds off. Uh, a really strong field. I think uh, just over a half a second separated all eight guys in that in that one a um, two hundred race. And so uh, Madison's Bryson Turner gets the uh, gets the state title there. We had a seven foot high jumper in uh, Tyson Rude of Baser Linwood. He uh, he and made it look easy. You know, getting seven seven feet is something that not many guys have done in state history. I was talking with Carol Swenson yesterday a little bit, and we think it's somewhere right around thirty guys ever in state history. Uh, have ever cleared seven feet. And Tyson, he had been at 6'10 and just over 6'10 this year and, and getting close, getting close. And at State, boy, he must have just found his, his inner uh, Ed Brocksterman or Shane Laby or Nathan Leeper or whichever one of the state's Melvin Sanders, great high jumpers you want to talk about because he, he hits every height all the way up and including seven feet, first attempt, boom, over, right away, no problem. And, and it was just crazy because usually – you know, you see them building and building and getting to it, and maybe they clear 6'10 on their second, and now they're really trying to get to seven feet. Now Tyson just just sails right over and and sailed like it was nothing. I mean, I, you could get no emotion from him, no fist pump, no big yell. In fact, after he cleared 6'10, I said, "Man, dude, you got to give me some reaction here. I got to get a I got to get a good picture of you getting excited about this." And even when he goes over seven, I kind of got a hug hug with his coach Mike McBride. And then maybe a, a point to the crowd, and that was about the about all you got from him. It was kind of matter of fact, which is crazy because he didn't even high jump last year. He jumped as a sophomore last year. He took off the spring to focus on basketball. He's going to Washburn to play collegiately, but uh, comes back as a senior, has a great uh, great season, and and gets over seven feet. And then Berlin Games Matthew Heckman and one a just misses getting over at seven feet as well. He gets six ten, 
but uh, can't quite get to seven feet in that one. Uh, some other notable performances, Grady Seifert from Beloit sweeps the, uh, the 3A shot put in discus and sets the 3A shot put state record, uh, beating out Monty Beisel of Douglas, his, his record that had stood for, for several years. And, you know, Monty was one of those just absolute physical specimens, went on to play football at K-State and with the Chiefs. And, uh, and so that meant a lot to Grady to get, uh, get the double state championship and the record there. Um, you had uh, Jamel Williams from Lansing sweeps the 5A discus and shot put uh, there as well. Um, you know, talking about Cypher, his sister, we'll, we'll touch on her and, and the girls, but she sweeps the 3A shot put and discus title. So a great weekend for the Seifert family, getting both, both the shot put and discus titles in class 3A um, boys and girls. And then I know there's, I mean, so many other just great athletes that had great, great state track meets. Uh, Tanner Heckle of Inman, you know, he's moving to Linden next year uh, to finish out his high school career, but he gets two titles individually to, uh, to, to finish his career at Inman and help lead Inman to the state title. Uh, Dighton's Max Neely wins his third straight Class 1A pole vault state championship. Uh, you know, he's, he's a, a product of, uh, of genes. His, his grandfather pole vaulted at Oklahoma. His dad was a pole vaulter at Emporia State. Now Max has three state cha- straight state championships there. Um, Shawnee Mission East, Wyatt Houghton. Uh, I, I can't believe I left him till now. Uh, he uh, All he does is goes out and sets state meet records in the 6A 800, 1600, and 3200 races. Uh, you know, he, he'd had a great season, re- you know, really had a good year last year, won a, won a couple state titles last year, but this year took it to where he was way high on, on the all-time state list, him and Clay Shively of Wichita Trinity, both, you know, two of the best time-wise ever in state history in those distant races, and both – Really come through at state meet. Uh, Wyatt breaks the state record in the in the 800, the 1600, and the 3200 in Class 6A. Clay Shively gets the state record in the 1600 in Class 3A, and also wins the 800 in, in that one as well. And uh, he said he was kind of saving himself because he has a has a big race today, I believe, in St. Louis, the Hoka Festival of Miles. And now uh, and now uh, he saves himself and still goes out and sets a state record and misses the other one by just. Uh, you know, few hundredths of a second. So, um, you know, Clay Shively had a, has a has a great state meet. And then, you know, on the girls' side, Scott, uh, you know, you ha- I handled a lot of the boys' stuff. You handled a lot of the girls' stuff. And and you know, Chesney Peterson, the name speaks for itself. But you know, as impressive as she's always been, man, she just always leaves you feeling just even more amazed by what she's able to accomplish. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Eli Gilmore winning the distance quad, and Chesney did it last year. And you kind of wonder what 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 can she do for an encore? I mean, we, Chesney Peterson is a, from Stanton County is is a name that's very well known in Kansas by now. Even uh, you know she she graduates this year and and is part of that group of a senior class along with Gilmore that you know they only got three high school track seasons because of COVID nineteen knocking out their their freshman season. So so when history kind of looks at this group or the senior group. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, there may not be the, there may ultimately be more, more gold medals won by somebody down the road, but, but, uh, because, you know, just because of the limitations placed on us by the pandemic, but, but Peterson, once, once she got through that freshman season, kind of had a disappointing finish at the state cross country meet, uh, as a freshman and, and didn't have that freshman track season, but boy, she hit, uh, she really hit the ground running part of the pun, uh, you know, her sophomore year and, and just didn't stop. And, and she wins the, the, uh, the 800, the 1600, and the 3200 in her final state meet uh, this weekend, and, and uh, sets two A meet records in all of them. So, so how do you top a quad? Well, you set you you know you set meet records in your in your three individual races, and, and she does that, and and uh, she'll she'll go out as the number four all time runner in Kansas in the 800 among girls. Uh, in in all classes, number seven in the thirty two hundred and number eight in the sixteen hundred, and and uh, you know the sixteen hundred she wins for the third time and and sets a meet record for the third time. So uh, she she pretty much comes to Sesta Stadium and, and and sets records. That's what she does. And and uh, you know it's kind of it was interesting to talk to her. I kind of see uh, you know you only get a few minutes with these kids because you're trying to talk to so many of them during the course of a meet. And she just had a fabulous quote, and I think it really kind of. Um, to me, it really showed her mindset for how she's competed, and and she really kind of she's proud of carrying the banner for a two A you know for a two A program at Stanton County, which 
you know, trust me, I'm old enough to know Stanton County has produced great runners uh, for as long as I can remember, uh, clear back to the 70s. And, and uh, she's she pales in comparison to, to none of them. But, but you know, she said she wanted to be someone who 1A and 2A girls could look to and believe that they could be the fastest in the state and they could set records. And, uh, you know, she kind of went on that I thought the great part of her quote was, you know, I just wanted to prove that because because your school is small doesn't mean you are small too. And and she certainly you know graduates and will head to Tennessee as a giant in in Kansas high school track history. Uh, she she breaks the breaks a thirty five year old record of Onega's Janet Haskin in the thirty two hundred over the weekend, running ten twenty nine fifty three. Uh, resets that resets her sixteen hundred record in four fifty thirteen, and then runs uh, two eleven oh five in the eight hundred to grab that meet record. Uh, she ran, she has run a little bit faster in the 800 to uh, uh, 210 64, which ranks number four all time. So, uh, you know, I've seen enough of her over the last two years that Casey covered his existence. I, I mean, it's it seems like maybe a broken record, but she really is just a uh, you know a fabulous runner with a fabulous mindset for competition, and I think that's kind of what what's made her one of the all time greats. And and uh, you know, speaking of, of another. Another one of those seniors who's outstanding out in the in the, in the field events, Andale's McKenzie Fairchild. You talked about the 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 boys' throws and and how crazy that atmosphere get got for the for those. Uh, when McKenzie competes, it's 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 must see, and, and Andale's crowd shows up for that. And and she completes a uh, you know her second straight triple, winning the the shot put, the discus, and the javelin in Class Four A. And and while she doesn't. Uh, you know, no no records, no personal best over the weekend. Just shows what a solid competitor she is. You know, she she clinches, basically wraps up the the uh, shot put and discus titles with her first throws that they they prove to be her best, and throws the javelin uh, 157 feet uh, on her second attempt in, in that competition, and and uh, uh, wraps that up as as uh, you know just. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be exciting to see you know when she goes to Texas A and M to join her sister Caitlin as, as javelin throwers just to see uh, you know the two of them combined at, uh, competing in the Southeastern Conference and see how far they can they can go with their abilities because they are they're as good as uh, you know they're as elite as anybody I've watched in, in covering the state track meet for 30, 30 plus years now so um, you know so you have. Peterson and, and Fairchild, and just other great performances. You mentioned Bree Allen from Prairie View, and and uh, just a sophomore, and uh, kind of took the torch this year as three A's premier distance runner after uh, Gentry Alderson from Southeast of Saline graduated, and and she wins the three A cross cross country meet in the fall at Rimrock Farm, breaks nineteen minutes for her personal best in that last fall, and and uh, then she shows up Friday morning at the state track meet, one of the earliest races on the track, and and uh, just destroys her first little best and cracks 11 minutes for the first time in the 3200. And, and so she's really kind of, uh, with her performance there, uh, she goes on and wins the 800 and 1600 titles in 3A and, and really establishes herself, uh, you know, uh, as a sophomore, as, as probably the, the person to beat in 3A for the next couple of years. And, and uh, then on, another one of the seniors in the sprints uh, on the girl side, uh, Capens Lillian and Harris, wins the, the double uh, in the 100 and the 200 uh, in 5A last year, and then comes back and wins the 100, 200, and 400 uh, this year. Uh, adds that third and, and just a, a fabulous race in, in the 400, a, a really grueling duel um, there. And, and so an outstanding performance uh, on that end for her. And then, uh, you know, kind of getting back to the to the field events. And, and Bonner Springs, Mariah Noel wins her third straight 5A discus title. And, and – Really, just a great story there. Uh, you know, she's an outstanding basketball talent going to the to Ole Miss to to play uh, play college basketball. But uh, uh, Coach Heather Campbell asked her a few years ago if she'd be interested in giving the discus a try, just kind of on a whim. And and uh, I think the competitor in Noel took embraced that challenge. And and uh, she said, you know, it wasn't I wasn't very good for, you know, out of the gate. And she uh, somewhere earlier in her sophomore season threw under seventy feet at a meet and and finished 24th in the competition. I think it was at the DeSoto Invitational and ended up winning the state that season with like a throw of 129 feet. So uh, made just huge improvements right out of the gate and then really embraced the, embraced the discipline and, and uh, became one of the th- premier throwers and the discus throwers in, in the state, uh, the best this season in, in, in all classes in the discus. And, and uh, she wins her third straight title in the discus along with uh, Thunder Ridge's Tori Slavic in, in Class 1A, who didn't have her best day 
uh, throwing this weekend, but another one who you, you win an event three times um, at the state meet during the course of a career and, and you've really done something. So uh, those are just, a, you know, I could go on and on and on, but the, I'll take a breath here. And and, and uh, if you've got some other boys you want to mention, Brent, go right ahead. Well, there's just so many to mention. That's, that's the crazy thing is no matter, no matter how many we mentioned, we'll, we'll never be able to, uh, to really uh, touch on everybody that we, that we possibly could. And, and our apologies to all those, all the state track championships who deserve uh, so much more than what, what we'll be able to give them here today. But I'll just kind of mingle in and through in and out, uh, boys and girls. Uh, Pittsburgh Colgan's Lily Brown is a, is a triple state champion in Class 2A, uh, wins, wins the high jump, the, the triple jump, and the, and the 100 hurdles. So she has a great, uh, a great uh, meet, a great basketball player. Um, you talk about distance runners like Haley Trotter, Clearwater, Caitlin Roop, uh, Logan Keith of, of Meade, you know, last year he was a 1A state champion. This year Meade's in Class 2A, and he steps up and wins the 800 and the 3200. Doesn't run the 1600, but does the 32 and the 8 and gets uh, gets some titles there. Uh, some other stop, top boys, guys. Uh, look at uh, Zion Wooden of Ottawa. He was one of the top discus throwers in the state this year, and he knocks off Riley Marks, who was a two-time state champion from Andel. He beats him for the title there, um, so he gets it done. Uh, Highland Park's Trey Richardson. He he was top three and in, in top four in, in four events. Uh, gets a couple titles. Wins the hundred and in uh in class 5a beating jeremiah smith from shawnee heights and and a couple other close competitors um addie gockle from washington county the sophomore she sweeps the hurdles titles and helps washington county to a to a state championship uh tegan cobb he's a he's a kicker and punter a soccer player but he's pretty good a pretty good track athlete going to kansas state to play football for either kicking or punting he wasn't sure yet but he wins a 110 hurdles titles and uh, title in class 4A. Uh, Lewisburg, like I said, had a great state track meet. Uh, Caden Kaplaniger gets his second straight title in the pole vault, uh, holding off one of his teammates. And then teammate Mason Dobbins wins the 110 hurdles in 4A and the high jump in 4A. So uh, Lewisburg gets a strong showing there. Ingalls, Will Ost, and Smith Center's Garrett Warner, they both uh, sweep the hurdles titles in 1A and 2A, respectively. Uh, Plainville's Braylon Biddle wins the shot put and the discus title in Class 2A. Uh, Luke Brock wins the defends his title in the 5A 1600 and uh, sets a I believe he set a state meet record in that as well. Uh, Osage City's Landon Boss wins his second straight javelin title, finishes top five in the shot put and the discus as well. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas's Alex Waldy he wins the 400 and the 800. In, uh, in Class 5A, and so he has a great one. Uh, Gardner pole vaulter Pearson Carlisle knocks off defending champion Andrew Kirby of Olathe East uh, in, a, in a great uh, pole vault competition. I believe it went to jump offs for that one. So those are some of the boys' headliners, uh, some other girls' headliners. Uh, Olathe Heritage Christians, Rachel Van Gore, you know, she's, she's known as one of the best volleyball players in the state. Well, her leaping ability got her the, the 3A um, – triple jump and long jump title. And so uh, she, she wins those and also does well in her events on the track, placing top five in those. Uh, some other defending champions, uh, Ashley Singate of Eureka sweeps the hurdles again. Smoky Valley's Breanne Peters has an outstanding state track meet. Uh, Andale's Maddie Schrant wins a couple couple titles. Hoisington's Chalamet Farmer defends her state pole vault title. Uh, Hutchinson's Anna Collins uh, bounces back from some heartbreak in the hundred hurdles, where she uh, where she, she clips a hurdle and, and goes down, um, but bounces back and wins the three hundred hurdles. Um, Andover McKinley Walker takes advantage of of her in the uh, in the hundreds and gets the state title. El Carson Akalo O'Hare wins her second straight pole vault title. Uh, Maxville javelin thrower Macy Russell PRs by sixteen feet to not only win the one A one A javelin title but set the state meet record and. On and on. Oh, Ottawa's Emery Keyball. He she wins her third straight for a triple jump title. So she's three fourths of the way to the comp- career sweep of that competition. And then uh, Victoria's Macy Hammerschmidt. She wins a couple state golds and, and has a really uh, really great uh, really great state meet. Uh, Centralia's Reagan Becker 
Sonny Mission Northwest, Paige Mullen. Olathe Northwest, Val Galligan. She wins the discus and the uh, javelin title in Class 6A. Um, Olathe West girls just kill you with kill you with uh, their numbers in the distance and have a great, uh, great meet. And then Blue Valley Southwest, Isabella Ross, uh, maybe one of the biggest surprises of the state meet, wins the 800 and 1600 in Class 5A. So that recaps... Pretty much all the highlights, uh, not all the highlights, but many of the highlights from state track. I know Scott and I combined to do well over 50 interviews with state champions down at state track, and those stories are coming out this week. We've already posted a few online to Keisha Covered. We've got several more coming uh, later today and later on this week as we try to try to hit the highlights, and every single state champion will be named in our Keisha Covered stories um, look, so look for those. Uh, there'll be plenty of content, and then we'll have photo galleries up from the well over 5,000 pictures that Scott and I combined to take down at State Track this weekend. We'll sort through those at some point and, uh, and try to get some of those galleries out, uh, hopefully by next week, but it might, <laughs> might leak into the week after that if, if our eyes can, uh, eyes can handle looking at that many pictures and figuring out which ones we like the best. So, that recaps state baseball, state softball, and state track. And it was a great high school sports season. It is now officially over. We'll have all-star games coming up soon this summer. Um, but uh, it's been another great school year. We've seen a lot of great things this year. We've really enjoyed covering everything. Uh, it's been a busy year, but one that all of us, I know I speak for Scott, Mac, and Ricky when I say uh, – We've really appreciated all the athletes we've talked to this year, all the coaches we've dealt with this year, and all the stories we got to write. And there were so many great stories, and there's so many great ones out there still to be told, and we look forward to telling those as best we can. So for Mac, for Scott, and for Ricky, I wrap up the 2022-2023 school year for Keisha Covered, brought to you by Capital Federal. Thanks for listening. <laughs>